Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. And here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. Hi, my name is John Wade. I am joined here tonight with Jordan, also known as Texans Thoughts. Uh, James is out celebrating his little boy's birthday, so if you... You interact with James on Twitter, just hit him up and tell Parker happy birthday. I'm sure he'll get a huge, huge kick out of that. But me and Jordan, we're going to hold it down tonight and hopefully keep you all entertained and put out a halfway decent podcast. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, John. Just just powering through. Same old, same old. Real tired of everything that's going on, but we're, we're making it work. How about you? Doing good, doing good. Oh, yeah, forget all the uh, little housekeeping stuff. You know, this is why James typically does this stuff. Uh, first and foremost, we have merch. We have hats. As you see, both me and Jordan wearing one. Please go over to Last Stand Hats. They have great, great, great stuff, especially if you're a University of Texas fan. If you're a Longhorns fan, they've got a lot of really good things going on over there. Of course, we have our hats. It's got the little little micro on it. It looks pretty sharp. It looks a lot better in person than I think it does on the website. And again, the hats are very, very high quality. Where to find us? Uh, Houston FB Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Please follow us. I can't stress enough how much of a difference that makes. Um, I am Young Ari Gold. Uh, that's how you can bother James and tell Park happy birthday. Um, and don't forget to follow Texans Thoughts and Patrick Storm on Twitter as well. They have all sorts of fun stuff. They are the most, most interactive of all of us. So please follow them. And if you're watching us on YouTube, please, please click subscribe. So that way you can listen to us every week. You see also a lot of other fun things just randomly pop up on YouTube that we do not put on the stream and that we also don't release in podcast form. Um, and I believe that's all the sort of housekeeping. Did I forget anything? Oh, Patreon. Patreon. A dollar a listen. If you could do a dollar a listen, it would help us pay our bills. Um, right now we pay for but it would be nice if somebody would help <laughs> us. Like you, people out there listening. So thank you so much. All right. Um, well, Jordan, let's hop right into it. News. This is not really Texans related, but I thought it was kind of important. The Washington football franchise is going to get a new mascot. That's crazy to me. Um, it's honestly, it's crazy because it's, how long has their franchise been a thing since they've been one of the original teams? I believe they were one of the beginnings. Yeah, so for them to finally, it's, it's really great to see, you know, BLM movement, it's making waves, things are changing. And there's, it was funny. I saw a tweet saying that someone had copyrighted a bunch of like potential Washington Redskins names, like the Red Tails, the Red Marauders, or something, some stuff like that. So someone out of this is very smart, and they're gonna get paid because the Redskins they need a name. They can't just get rid of the Redskins and never and and go back. You know what I mean? Like it'll, they gotta figure something it'll out. It'll be so. interesting. They're gonna do it in two weeks. Apparently that's two the rumor. Now, two huh? weeks from now, they're gonna announce the new name. So. They must have already had something in mind or something really blew somebody away. So, you know, that's awesome. Um, again, the reason why we care about Redskins is because that is literally a slur. Um, like, there's no defending that, so it's about damn time that they've replaced that name. Um, I'm a big, fa- big, big fan of the Red Tails. It's been all over Twitter. I think that is so cool, so unique. They can even do family fret. Oh, shoot. I forgot about the website. <laughs> Go to TexansUnfiltered.com. I should have said that way, way, way at the beginning. I do suck. Everybody's yelling at me in chat. I am sorry. All the people that, you know, work very hard for us, like Cody and James and, you know, 
I, I just fell. <laughs> um, yeah, apparently also their front office is getting blown up. So good thing we're not Redskins fans. As boring, boring as our franchise may be, we are. Yeah, we are not in that sort of shape. Um, the next thing up is Derrick Henry and the Titans. They are not going to sign him to a long-term deal. Derrick Henry is arguably the most important running back in the entire NFL. The Titans are not the Titans without Derrick Henry. But even then, they are not going to sign him to a long-term deal. It's it's crazy how the league is moving to a mantra where running backs don't matter. They don't matter to the point where you can't be paying them top dollar. You're not going to be paying them like premium money like quarterbacks, left tackles, edge defenders. And that's what Derrick Henry wants, and honestly, that's what he deserves for the amount of ridiculous numbers he puts up. He's such a talented running back, one of the best in the league, but it's also because another, I think another reason why they're not paying him is because he's not a threat in the passing game whatsoever. You look at like Christian McCaffrey, who just signed, like I believe, the biggest running back deal, and he's always been a dual threat. Whereas Derrick Henry, he's not a threat whatsoever in the passing game. So I think that's something else that the Titans are keeping in mind. And honestly, think that they're kind of right. I mean, they can find another running back, maybe not put up Derrick Henry numbers, but Derrick Henry in the running game isn't going to be winning them the game. They still need the passing game. They still need a, a great quarterback play. And so I, I get what they're saying. It's it's a crazy decision, but I kind of agree with it. Well, Derrick Henry is the exception that kind of proves the rule. Um, the Titans are not a playoff team without him. Tannehill doesn't come out there and throw the way he does without him. Um, Derrick Henry is w- the engine that made the Titans go. And there's... Running backs do not matter. It's kind of this. It's it's true, but it's not true. It's the way I believe that the salary structure is for rookies yeah. set up. Because running backs take a beating; they get hit more than any other player on the field, and you just run them into the ground. Like James is absolutely correct out in chat. They're going to run him into the ground and let him walk. That's smart. But at the same time, if he has a couple of years, if he has a couple of years left in him. He's still going to be productive. Um, you look at, what was his name, uh, DeMarco Murray, who with the Cowboys just carried him on his back, goes to the Philadelphia, does all right, and then has a little bit of a back season for the Titans and then falls off a cliff. Just falls off a cliff. So, yeah, paying him is a smart thing to do because you don't want to waste that money. But at the same time, that's your entire franchise. Uh, um, Tannehill's not the answer. He's definitely not the answer. And they'll fall apart without him. So, you know, thank God, get him out of the AFC South. There's not another Derrick Henry out there. Um, even if they were, there was, I mean, what's the odds of the Titans getting him again? So, yeah, thank God, get him out. Yeah, and really quickly before we move on, I just want to touch on Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, the moment that they signed him to a four-year, 160-something whatever dollar contract, I was so happy, so happy. Because Ryan Tannehill, for the great numbers that he put up last year, he's always going to revert to being Ryan Tannehill, being mediocre, and never being able to get them over the hump. So I was I was super happy with that. Do you hear that? Did that come through? A little sound effect? Did it come through? No, I didn't. Uh, well, it's a little uh, it's a little news thing. <laughs> maybe maybe the listeners did. Maybe the, maybe they did. Maybe maybe they did. It might show up on the podcast. Um. James Harden has arrived to the bubble. Oof. Oh, we are not about to get into a Rockets-Lakers discussion right now. <laughs> oh, are you <God>. sure? 
<laughs> Are we sure we're not a basketball podcast? Because it looks like basketball is actually going to be played. <laughs> I would love to. I'm so ready. I'm so ready to do that, but maybe not tonight. Oh, Rockets man, but, are trash. But Oof. James Harden has arrived for all the rumors about him having COVID, and he, I guess he did have COVID, but I guess he's over it. I, I don't know. So there we go. He's arrived. I'm excited. Most of the people out there listening to us are Rockets fans, no matter what James wants wants to say. Um, <laughs> no matter – y'all are weird. How is How on earth are there two Lakers fans on a Texans podcast? That's honestly so random. You're right. But best team in the league, that's why. All right. And then, then the other bit of news, um, Zach Cunningham. What do you think? Yeah, so I guess we're are we allowed to we're allowed to talk about that. It's out there. It's out there. It's okay. Out well, there. Pat Storm brought it to us just just in case it's. Um, anyways, um, he brought it to us saying that Texans are are started to talk and negotiate with Zach Cunningham for his next contract, and I love that because Zach is a staple of our defense. Um, he's so valuable. He's so talented. He can do so many different things. He's not just a weak side linebacker. He can take on blocks. He can play Mike. He's also not as bad as in coverage as people think. Main coverage, I give it to you. Awful. Zone coverage, though, I actually think he's a plus. And he, like I said, he's a building block of our team. We got to pay him. And the crazy thing is that he's going to reset the linebacker market, in my opinion, just by the nature of being the next guy to get paid. And I feel like the media and some fans are going to hate that. They're going to be like, oh, you're overpaying for a linebacker. But you have to. You have to pay for that type of talent. Keep your ingrown in-home, in-house guy. Yeah, that's how you say it. With the team. And, yeah. What do you, do you think, think we're going to pay him as a Mike or as a Will? That's, that's, what I, that's the question I pose. So, for you guys that don't know, I just did a little research. Top line, top Mike linebackers, they, they're getting paid right now 17 to $18 million, whereas top Wills, top weak side linebackers, the top guy is Anthony Barr at like 13.5. So it does depend because technically right now, Will, Zach Cunningham is a Will. That's what they list him as. Benardrick McKinney's the Mike. And they're already paying Benardrick McKinney a double-digit contract. So can they really be paying another huge one to Zach Cunningham? Tough. But I think he's going to get paid as a Mike. I think he'll get 16, 17, maybe $18 million a year, which will be crazy. But I think by the time that that deal actually kicks in, I think they would have moved on by Benardrick McKinney getting his contract out the door, and then you're fine in terms of linebacker money. Well, you just watched a whole bunch of tape on him. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think he can play Mike? So if they pay him as a Mike, they're not going to be able to sign another Mike. Are you mm-hmm. confident in him playing Mike? I'm confident in his athletic ability and his physicality. So the number one thing that a huge narrative, in my opinion, from last season is that Zach Cunningham is just a will. He can't play Mike. He can't take on blockers. That's why DJ Reader is so important to the team. Apparently he's average as well, based on some Twitter conversations. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Um, But, yeah, apparently people are saying that he can't take on blockers, and I wanted to see if that was true or not. So I watched the film every single game, every single snap, Zach Cunningham, and he can take on blockers. He's very good at it. He's very physical. He's not just like some weak, weak side linebacker. He's always taking the fight to the blockers. He's strong, and he's also really good at evading them. He doesn't have to get physical and shed them every single time. He's one of the best in the league at just avoiding blocks and and still making a tackle. So from that aspect of taking on blocks, I think he can play Mike. The only other aspect that I'm questioning is if he can take on that quarterback, that leader of the defense role, 
because Bernardrick McKinney is really, really good at it. That's honestly where most of his value comes from, getting everyone in line, getting the calls right, figuring out what the offense is in, and sniffing out plays before they even happen. He's super good on that. Um, and I don't know if Zach hasn't been – I don't know if he's been getting groomed for that role, but he's not – the guy who make, who's making the calls as of right now. So that's the only question for me. But I do think he can play Mike. He has all the tools physically and athletically to do it. It's that's, just about the mental game. That's interesting because oh, – sorry. I'm always wondering when they talk in the press conferences if they're telling us the truth. Because there was a press conference not too long ago, I think beginning of last season, where they talked about how um, Zach was taking over the play calling from BMAC. Really? Hmm. So I you're saying that watching – just watching the film, you can see BMAC out there directing traffic, and that's Zach. I can definitely see it. I see so many times where he's yelling at people. He's, like, pointing people to go which directions. Um, I don't see who has, like, the, the like headset or whatever in their helmet. I don't see who's actually, like, calling the plays, like, pre-snap. but Or, sorry, not pre-snap, pre, like, huddle or whatever. But everything pre-snap, that's BMAC for sure. Fair enough. So, I don't know. No, it's, just, I, it's always interesting because it, it was one of the things that even brought up with David Johnson. If you look at the film, it looks like he ran a, a lot more uh, man, or sorry, power. Yeah. I have completely forgotten how to talk. Um, it looked like he uh, <laughs> forgot he was running power. But then during James's interview with him, he said he was running zone. So it's always interesting to me to see how that looks. Um, okay. Well, all right. Well, let's get into it. The main show topic today is are we being disrespected? This is from Power Rankings. This is from Madden. This is from all over the place. Um, there was a Reddit post. Let me see if I can find it real quick in my notes because I moved my notes because I'm a dumb, dumb, dumb person that was talking about, this is according to ESPN, and this is Space Turtle 2004 that put it out there. But we lost DJ Reader, Tashawn Gibson, Jonathan Joseph, Carlos Hyde, DeAndre Hopkins. We gained Jonathan Grignard, uh, Ross Blacklock, Eric Murray, John Reed, Michael Thomas, David Johnson, Brandon Cook, Randall Cobbs, Isaiah Coltier, um, Kahali Warren. And this means that according to ESPN, that DeAndre Hopkins with the wrong scheme equals Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, Isaiah Coulter, and 17 power ranking spots. Oof. 17 spots. So our big two losses were DJ Reader and, of course, D-Hop. Those were, far and away, we will all admit, big, big losses. They were, but were they worth 17 spots in the power ranking? Um, to kind of put this in, in perspective, um, it's not just ESPN that's it's trashing us. Uh, NFL.com has us at 16. That's the high one. Bleacher Report has us at 18. NBC, NBC has us at 22. Again, ESPN, NFL both have us at 16. And PFF ranks us at 23. Damn. That sounds really underrated to me. And for based off the Reddit post, they're saying from December 31st, 2019, the Texans were ranked 8th in the NFL. Okay, respectable. I'll take that. And then from now, May 6th, 2020, after all these moves have been made, now they're dropping us down to 25th, and that's ESPN. And that is a massive drop, like you said, 17 spots, and then all those other, every main media outlet they're disrespecting the hell out of us. They, I don't see, like, okay, yeah, we lost two big players, two big-name players, but if you look at their positional value, a run-stuffing defensive tackle in DJ Reader is a very replaceable position. 
a star wide receiver, yes, that's very hard to replace. But when you look at the names that we brought in and the scheme change that we're going with, instead of being a very predictable, you know where the ball is going to, and you can just double DeAndre Hopkins and then we're screwed. Instead of going from that, then we've got to spread it out offense, pick your poison, who are you going to double? You can't be doubling Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks and Kenny Sills, and then having Cobb over the middle and two great running backs out the backfield. So it's that's how we're replacing Hopkins. Um, and yeah, I don't know. For me, the disrespect is insane, especially if like if we if say Deshaun got injured, then sure, I would I would get that. But as long as we have Deshaun Watson, you can never put us out of like top ten, top twelve, maybe consideration in my opinion. No, definitely. Um, for reference, uh, Pro Football Focus has Tennessee at number eight. Um, here's the thing, and I didn't even realize this. Um, Ruben, uh, seven one, seven thirteen, Houston sport ca- Sportscast threw this out there. This is an, a wonky, wonky stat. When DeAndre Hopkins had over a hundred yards in the game last year, the Texans were two and four. When DeAndre Hopkins had under a hundred yards in a game. They were nine and two. So what this says to me is, first off, I will forever defend Hopkins. I do think that he had a legitimate. He was the best receiver. He was not the most athletic receiver in the NFL, but he was the best receiver. Um, he made himself into what he was. He was the smartest, most tenacious, best hands, everything that he could control. He was the best. Now, there's several receivers that are more athletically gifted than him. So that kind of balances it out, I think. This is what would put him as a consi- consistently as a top three receiver. Everything that he could control, there was nobody better at. Now, however, with that, and something that I think that is, overrated, or that is overlooked, is receivers do not make you a good team. For as good as Hopkins was, what did we accomplish with him? Best receiver in the league. Best defensive end in the league with J.J. Watt. What did we accomplish with them? And this is not disrespecting Hopkins to say it, but we didn't, we didn't do anything. Yep. However, you lose Hopkins, and all of a sudden we're a weaker team from one player. And you, re- you replace one with multiple because there is no one player that we could get Julio Jones, maybe, maybe, and that would be a one for one. But would you really say that the team is then uh, as good or better that wouldn't have dropped down that far? So you're saying that DJ Reader caused us to drop down eight, eight, eight spots? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. And I guess I think it's just the this offseason, just the entire theme has just been hate on Bill O'Brien hate on the Texans. They can't do anything right. We, he, they deserve no credit whatsoever. And that's awful. That's a, that's a bad way to look at sports because every every move has to be evaluated in a vacuum. It can't be like because you have a bad reputation, every move you make from now on is bad because some of these moves, we're not going to be able to know what the right or wrong move was until like years in the future. Like the Laramie Tunsil move, like people are going to be saying, oh, we overpaid for him, whatever. But we're not going to fully know how bad Bill O'Brien got quote unquote fleeced in that trade until all of the picks are traded. And until we even see like the careers of all the players that the dolphins got, you know what I mean? So I think we've, I think the NFL and media 
they're kind of just hopping aboard a bandwagon that is hating on Bill O'Brien and not really giving him a fair chance. And this is coming from a pretty big Bill O'Brien hater. You know, I, I, I don't really love him as a coach. I don't really love him as a GM. I'm going to keep it real with y'all, but I think he's being, he's for sure being unfairly, um, not maybe not him, but maybe the team is being unfairly criticized for one man's mistakes, quote unquote mistakes. All right, we got a question or just a statement. Do you want to, read it? to be fair, there were chances too much more with Nuke and JJ, but there were there was absolute trash at quarterback. Not to nitpick your argument, but there's a leak in it and it doesn't include the whole water. I would yeah, say but, the Colts 2017 game. 2018? 2018. I'm sorry, 2018. Yeah. Colts 2018. Yeah. We had JJ. We had we had Hop. We had Watson. We needed depth because yeah. all we had at receiver that that game was Hop, and as soon as he got hurt. Watson couldn't do anything, and defense couldn't do enough to win the game. So, yeah, there, I understand what you're trying to say, Daniel. Um, take peak Watt, peak Hopkins. We did have trash at quarterback, and they did somehow, you know, almost beat the Patriots with Brock Osweiler, which I, I can't even imagine saying. However, we were always that one key injury away. And... Yeah, the the point I'm trying to make though, and I think we jumped right into the we jumped right into the, to the defense of it, is it's not just the power rankings; it's all the power rankings, and then it's like Madden on top of that. It's the shows like all NFL good uh, Good Morning Football, everything on the NFL Network constantly. The uh, new thing from the Athletic where they were talking about how they interviewed all these agents, and they said that Bill O'Brien was the most clueless GM in the league, which is strange to me because my understanding is Bill O'Brien isn't the one that's talking to the agents. But, you know, I'm I'm just, I'm kind of curious on this stuff. How much of home, you, I mean, you watch more Texans film than anybody else. That's a very safe bet. For somebody that's not on the payroll, you watch more film than anybody else. (laughs) I'm willing to bet you watch more than any of the local coverage, and there's not a lot of really great local coverage. How Are we being homers? Are we actually think that the team has improved? I don't think so whatsoever. You know, every every person is going to have a little bit of bias towards their own team, a little bit of homerism. But at least for me, when I try and watch film, I try and be as impartial as possible. I try and look at both sides, the good and the bad. And... Honestly, the only debate, the only argument that I could make that we got that deserves us to be so low is our defense, really. We haven't maybe made the the splash moves that you would like. But honestly, watching the film, I and mean, I've gone through almost every single Texan at this point, every single like starter, basically. And we've got a lot of above average guys and a lot of elite guys, for sure. I mean, if you want to, like, look at, like, tier-wise, like, Elite, you got Deshaun Watson, you got Laramie Tunsil, you got J.J. Watt when he's healthy. I think um, Garyon Conley deserves to be, he's borderline. He's right below that Elite tier, in my opinion. And having those guys, that's that's a lot because those are at premium positions. It's not like we have an Elite defensive tackle, an Elite running back positions that don't, win you games. You know what I mean? We have these elite guys at these really important positions that win you football games. And at the end of the day, 
this is the Sean Watson's team, and quarterbacks are like eighty like eighty percent of like your success basically. And good quarterbacks, they can maybe get you the to the playoffs, like Ryan Tannehill, if you have a perfect situation. Great quarterbacks are good too, but it's the elite quarterbacks that are gonna win you divisions, win you playoff games, and win you Super Bowls. And that's what Deshaun Watson is. And at the end of the day, that's where ninety five percent of my optimism comes from. And I just don't understand how people can be overlooking that, especially because Deshaun even if you say the team around Deshaun is is bad, Deshaun has always dealt with that. And he's always still come on top. He's always going to elevate the talent around him and make our team better. So I just, I don't get it whatsoever. Uh, I really don't. Do we want to talk about Deshaun's Madden writing? Because according to Madden and their their little team of um, stat adjusters, Madden, he's, a, he's above average, but he's not elite. <sighs> according to Madden, they would rather have Matt Ryan than Deshaun Watson. And you know what? I'm going to say this. We may need to talk a little bit more about Madden than we otherwise would because we may be watching Madden this year to get our football fixed <laughs> for a little while. But just to put it out there, and again, it's one of those things that it's – are we constantly getting that disrespected? Madden has ten, uh, Deshaun in the top ten, but he's ranked eight. Patrick Mahomes, get it. Russell Wilson, get it. Then it's Lamar Jackson, Drew, Ble- Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Deshaun, Dak, and Carson Wentz for the, to round out the top, top ten. I don't, I don't even know. I, I'll, uh, I don't even know where to start. But the, the most laughable thing for me, the most laughable thing for me, man, is Lamar Jackson. I mean, if you look at the other quarterbacks, like you said, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, sure, fine. Top three, for sure. But if you look at the other guys after Lamar Jackson and between Deshaun Watson, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, at least those guys are veteran quarterbacks with a proven track record of 10-plus years of success, of great stats, top-tier elite quarterback play. So at least you could make that argument for having them over Watson. Matt Ryan, I, I still wouldn't whatsoever. But Lamar Jackson, I think he's, they rated him like a 94, something like that, something ridiculously high for someone who still can't throw the football. He still can't throw the football like more than 20 yards down the field accurately. And don't get me wrong, he's improved from college, but he's still someone who can't play from behind, and that makes no sense whatsoever. If you want to say, like, he's not a better passer than any of those quarterbacks below him, and I guess the only argument you can make is his athleticism, and if those are the stats that are bringing up his overall stat, but that one's crazy to me. Um, I'll pass it off to you for... Matt Ryan and, and all the other names, and then maybe I'll, I'll come back. But I well, need a part of it is there's this uh, quote that's being floated around. Deshaun Watson is an average, um, average at best quarterback who happens to have a great offensive mind as a head coach, and weapons who can make up for his errors. And the offensive line isn't catastrophically bad. He just makes them worse. This is the guy that's in charge of the ratings. However, a year later, Watson growth, Watson's growth has been notable. Definitely a top 10 guy right now. So this is the guy that's in charge of the ratings. Granted, he did say that Watson's grown. He did throw that out there. However, he also started him off a lot lower. So it's one thing to go, you've gone from average to above average, without still recognizing the fact that that he's, he's bad. Eight, it's an 86, right? That's what they rate, rated yep. him, 86. Like, that's mind-boggling. You just you would think his ability to escape 
in, in the pocket alone. Just watch that. That alone should give them a boost. Um, I believe, like, I had the breakdown, and I think I accidentally deleted how they actually statted out. But they gave them very poor, poor, poor rankings on um, accuracy and deep ball. Yeah. Yeah. And 68% completion percentage. I mean, I know that D-Hop is great and all, but 68% is not all D-Hop. Hell no. And, yeah, I saw a tweet from that dude um, at Swami underscore EA, one of the EA stack guys, and he basically said someone was asking him, a Texans fan was asking him, what's the deal with Matt Ryan being above Deshaun Watson? And he said that Matt Ryan is consistently in the top five, top ten accuracy ratings or accuracy metrics, whatever, over the years, and Deshaun Watson's consistently top 15 to top 20, which is insane to me because as someone who's watched literally every single Deshaun Watson game from his rookie season up until this past season, literally every single game, one of his strengths, one of his big-time strengths is ball placement and accuracy. He consistently makes really, maybe not like tight window throws, but placing throws really well and away from cornerbacks where only your wide receiver can get. And that's as accurate, like, and that example is, and that's a good enough example of accuracy as, as you can possibly get. Like, it's crazy to me. Matt Ryan's definitely the second most laughable name on that list. I mean, this dude, he, I wish there was like a clutch factor rating because then Matt Ryan would be way down and Sean Watson would be way up because that's just, ugh, it's so crazy to me. I don't know how they can continue to disrespect him. And, and the crazy thing is like, it can't just be one dude at EA making these ratings, right? It's got to be at least a couple of people. I would imagine it's a department, but then yeah. at the same time, I I don't know. I mean, you would think because you would think they would have a lot of a lot of um, different input into it, but there's one mm-hmm. guy that's over it, and I guess he has final say is my understanding. I'm not sure. I know that there is a lot of controversy around it, but I just, to me – even if he was rated, even if he was still rated eight out of ten, I could not imagine that he wasn't a ninety just for yeah. what he can do. That's fair. I mean, he we talked about it that mid-level um, deep, um, where it's twenty to forty yards down the field, he's the number one in the league. Mm-hmm. Anything over forty, that's he can't he can't throw it fifty yards down the field like two quarterbacks in the league can. But twenty to forty yards down the field, most accurate quarterback in the league. You quarterbacks, uh, you know, he should get bonus points for playing the position with one eye. It's kicked <laughs> in the eye and then just bases it off, essentially feel where, you know, where a receiver is. And, yeah, he has accuracy issues. There's been games where all of a sudden you're like, what on earth is going on with Deshaun? It takes him a minute. Sometimes he has to get get hit. <laughs> it's really, sometimes he just has to get hit. And he settles down and then he can start throwing the ball again. But... For the most part, when you actually look at production, it comes around. It always comes around. And he just probably has more bad throws, but the good throws that he has are just otherworldly. Yeah, his big-time play, like, making, like... uh, The thing is that you have to, like... You have to appreciate his accuracy, and you have to appreciate his... Um, his athletic like stats, speed, elusiveness, agility, all that stuff that they put into a Madden player. How is that not near the top of the list? Like right up there with Patrick Mahomes, right up there with Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson. 
I mean, there's literally so many countless highlights that you could find of Deshaun Watson invading two, three, four, five defenders, making it out of the pocket, making these crazy, ridiculous throws. I guess they just don't. I guess these people just don't watch football. They don't watch these teams, these players whatsoever. That's the only logical explanation for them to be this insulting to Watson. That's that's the word for it. Insulting. Like you've seen him clown them. He he tweeted like. I forget what he tweeted, but he clowned them. Um, Lonnie Johnson got in on Laramie Tunsil as well. Like the disrespect is real. The disrespect is for sure real. To go with the title and the theme of this of today's podcast, it's it's insane. It's one of those things where they just pull analytics, and we've talked about it on on the podcast before. The NFL just does not have enough for analytics to be the end all be all. Now, they have their value. They definitely have their value. You can learn a lot by looking at the stats. You can learn a lot by next-gen stats. You can look a lot by hot zones and accuracy percentage and things like that. But just over the scheme of the year compared to basketball and baseball, analytics cannot hold that same value because you don't have – the sample size is just too small. Now, if you try to base a player's ability based entirely on analytics, you have to watch the tape to see if it backs it up. And that's obviously what was not done with Deshaun because it's just absolutely mind-boggling. On that list, how many of those quarterbacks would you legitimately take before you would take Deshaun? Let's see. You, Patrick Mahomes, maybe, after our conversation last week. I don't know where you stand. Um, Russell Wilson, what do you think? If we're, if we're going off of who I'd want to start a franchise with, you go... For this year, just this year. It's just for one Madden year? 21, so for just this year. Okay. Just one year, I'm going Russell Wilson. He's my number one guy. I do believe he is the best quarterback in the NFL. Even my homerism, like, my homerism isn't that big. He's better than Deshaun Watson. He's proven that over his entire career, and he's been more successful. He makes ridiculous throws, just like Watson does. They're two very similar players, but he's just on another level right now, and that another level is due to his experience. Watson's been in the league for two and a half, three years. Russell Wilson's been, what, eight? And so, of course, with that experience, he's just going to be a better quarterback. So if I had to take one person for one year, it would be Russell Wilson. If I did have to start a franchise, though, for the next 5, 10, 20 years, I'm taking Watson. Yeah. Um, I would take Mahomes and Wilson, that's it. Yeah. L- Mahomes that is very it. close with Watson. Like, I'm sorry? Mahomes and Watson are literally 1A, 1B. Like, there's so it's such a small gap for me. Right. I think that... Long term, I would hope that Deshaun Watson ends up having a better career than than Mahomes. But I just at this point right now, Mahomes is still partly because of the situation. But you know, yeah. he is the better quarterback right now. Now, long term, I still have faith that Deshaun will pull out. I hope, but we'll see. So that's yeah. kind of ridiculous. So you you aren't going to take a franchise today with Drew Brees over with over Watson. Ooh, one you know, year breeze, one year. Matt Ryan. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> oh, man, it's crazy to me. I, d- I don't get it. I mean, Breeze and Brady, we've seen them already declining. The past two years, like, or sorry, the past year, there's their seasons. Like, you could tell that Brady's declining. You could tell that Breeze, his arm strength is declining. I just don't get how you can rate their seasons as better than, than Watson's. Like, <sighs> What about Mr. Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan, I'm gonna look up. I'm gonna look at Matt Ryan's stats. That's the only way that I can see them 
um, putting him above Boston. And he had a really, like, volume-wise, he had a good year. Like, 4,500 4, yards, 26 touchdowns. He threw 14 picks. He had a 66% completion percentage. Um, so I guess if you, the only thing I believe that he's better at Watson here is total passing yards. Everything else is Watson is better or comparable. And so I don't get Matt Ryan whatsoever. I don't. He's just not a good quarterback. He's just not the top elite guys, and I really believe Watson is. And <sighs> the disrespect will continue until until the Texans win big games. That's what it's going to come down to. We can't be blowing twenty four point leads. We can't be losing in the first round of the playoffs. Until we make it to at least the AFC Championship game, the disrespect is going to continue, and that's really, really sad because we do have a good team. Yeah, I'm going to give a shout-out to James Palmer. He uh, wrote, The more I see, I keep seeing Deshaun Watson's rating of 86 in Madden, the more it makes me upset. Watson makes the superhuman plays. He is arguably the best deep ball in the league. And those closest to him say he's an elite decision-maker and believe he'll complete 70% of his passes this year. Matt Ryan, a couple of years back, I would have killed to have him, but we're in a much better, much, much better situation with Watson, especially long-term. And, yeah, just, I just, yeah, I'm at a loss on this. Yeah, I was I was excited when I saw that tweet by James Palmer. Um I think the the biggest thing that stood out to me is what you said, um, where is the tweet, about his he's an elite decision-maker. Those closest to him say he's an elite decision-maker. And I think I, I was talking to someone on Twitter and saying that we give him the excuse of, we give Deshaun Watson the excuse of, oh, he's locking on to DeAndre Hawkins. And without that, he's going to be a better quarterback. But then this other dude, he made the argument saying, oh, if he's an elite decision-maker, he shouldn't be locking on in the first place. And so... That didn't make any sense to me at all because he's locking on because the because DeAndre Hopkins wants the ball, he wants targets, and he's he may not be like demanding the play the ball every single like huddle. He's not saying give me the ball, don't give it to anyone else. It's not like that. But that's just how a star wide receiver is. You know they have the ego, they have they want the ball. That's how everyone is. Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, OBJ, whatever, and so that's why. Um, the Sean Watson locks in on him, and so well, he locks on in on him because he's a safety blanket. I, yeah, he's when not, you I, trust somebody that much and they're that good, it doesn't matter how good your decision making is. You know that it's always there. And I mean, we all do it. You, I mean, just simply if you even go play Madden, when you have a player that's working and a player that you trust, you throw them the ball more. No matter how yeah. good of a Madden player you may or may not be. And I'm pretty sure if you go play backyard ba- backyard football, you'll do the same thing. It's it's subconscious. Even if you're trying to spread the ball around, you're going to go to your guy that you trust. So why do you think we're getting disrespected the way that we are? What is your honest hypothesis? My honest hypothesis is that it's it's basically the media being lazy. It's the media not watching games, not actually taking everything into context. And it's basically them just hopping aboard the let's hate on Bill O'Brien train because that's what gets clicks. That's what the popular topic of this offseason has been. Look at him. He's such an idiot. He traded Hopkins. Let's all hate on him because that's what's going to drive controversial takes and stuff like that. And so that's why there's this league-wide hate for the Texans and disrespect for the Texans because of one man, because of Bill O'Brien. 
no matter how much you think he deserves it or not, I think that's what the media is doing. They're just hopping aboard on that. And the the annoying thing is that the Texans players, they are going to take the flack for it. They don't get respected. They're going to be pissed off. They get shitty Madden ratings. And that sucks because it's it's not – I don't think it has to do really with the talent because there's a lot of talented player on, players on these teams. Maybe we're not top five um, right now. Maybe we're not even top ten. But we're definitely not in the low, mid-20s like they're all putting us in. Like that's just insane to me. What are your thoughts? No, I'm in complete agreement. I'm so over it. Um, If you go on Instagram or Facebook or any social media spot, as soon as you hear that there's a player that demands a trade, you will get Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt and Bill O'Brien still asking for like a bag of potatoes or something like that. Just something absolutely just asinine. Like it's not even funny at this point. And who's to say that any of those trades have not worked out? Um, Tunsil? Tunsil looks like he's he's going to be really good. <laughs> he was already really good. I think that Stills was definitely an underrated part of that trade. There's still this narrative out there that he could have waited a week and got him off free agency. Who who knows? Like Stills is too good of a player to just be cut. Granted, maybe his contract. I don't know. And then of course the trade we're not going to talk about because we're not going to talk about it because you know. <laughs> but we'll see how that actually ends up playing out. If Deshaun is everything that we expect and hope him to be, then the Hopkins trade is not going to look bad. It's I can only imagine what media would have been like with the Herschel Walker trade when the Cowboys traded him. If we had social media and we had the all-encompass, all-day media that they have, we have now back then, I, I'd have been very interested. Like Sometimes in football, you trade these named guys that you have big expectations for. They get put into a different situation and it just doesn't work out. And in the NFL, it has been proven more and more that you need depth. You need depth. Look at how often the Patriots miss on their drafts. Um, there was another idiotic contract or comment out there on Twitter that um, Bill Belichick, the GM, is belled, uh, belled out by Bill, o- Bill Belichick, the coach. I completely stumbled all over that. But... Essentially, was saying that you look at all the misses that he has during the draft and look at how they continue to win, even though they can't draft. But what Belichick figured out is it's depth. Depth, depth, depth. He goes after guys that no one else really values in the same way, and he turns them into stars. And now there's a rumor that Clowney's going to go up there, and watch if Clowney goes up there. He's going to turn into a Hall of Famer like we all want him to. Like part of me is like that's the best thing you can do for your career, and I want Clowney to have a. That's true. I want Clowney to be a Hall of Famer. Like I really do. I love the man. But if he wants to do it, he's going to go up to New England. And the reason they're able to do that is Belichick, the GM, doesn't panic. He sat there and waited, and he got Cam Newton for nothing. I. That's not even fair. That was a steal. That is the... I, I That's don't... what he does. He's, he's the smartest man. He's one of the smartest minds in the league. He, he's outsmarted everyone. He's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. And maybe that's where Bill O'Brien gets some of his hate because he's, tr- he's quote-unquote trying to be Bill Belichick, and he's not. Because no one else in the league is... None of his disciples have, have done well. It's 
it, just because you're a smart football mind doesn't mean that you can make other people smart football minds too. Not everyone is a good teacher in that way. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. I don't. Well, I think part of it is the reason New England coaches don't survive other places is Belichick runs New England in a way that no other franchises ran. There's a bunch of books out there on the New England franchise and just their structure and things like that. No other ownership, no other GM will give, give their coach that sort of freedom to implement the systems that Belichick does. And, when you come from that system and you learn that system and you try and implement it somewhere else, there's going to be, there's going to be speed bumps and who has enough fortitude to see it through. Now this hypothesis will be probably burned, <laughs> thrown out of the trash and burned if uh, Bill O'Brien crashes and burns because right now he's the closest of the Belichick disciples to get the sort of power that Belichick has. Yep. I think he has everything that Belichick has. I, I don't even know at this point because they're pretty secretive <laughs> about it. I mean, I don't know when they were saying the thing about the athletic story about Bill O'Brien being the most clueless person talking to agents, and then it comes out and it's like, wait a second, from our local media, Belichick doesn't actually, or I'm sorry, Bill O'Brien doesn't actually talk to the agents. That's handled through Jack Easterby and uh, a guy's name that I'm not even going to try to butcher because it has a lot of consonants in it. Um <laughs> So who knows? Again, who really knows what he actually has power to do and what he doesn't have? And at this point, like I actually, if it crashes and burns, like I don't really blame Bill O'Brien because he's trying to do what every coach wants to do. He wants to make the decisions. He wants to have that sort of control. Like I'll blame Cal. Yeah. Like it'll it'll be Cal. But it'll we'll for see. sure be Cal for letting him go with it. I think. If you put yourself in Bill O'Brien's shoes, like, why wouldn't you want all this power? And why wouldn't you want all the decisions and your, like, job and future to be solely based off of you? Right. You don't want to have to trust other people to control the cap, to sign free agents, to sign draft picks. Them make mistakes, and you get fired for it. So putting yourself in your sh- in Bill O'Brien's shoes, like, of course you're going to want all the responsibility on yourself, no matter how difficult that could be. If you truly believe you're the man for the job and you have the talents to do that, hell yeah, go for it. Like I kind of respect that in a sense, even if, if it's you not have a vision like, a for a team. I, I'm actually, I'm, you should control players. Like you should have final say over players. Yeah. Now there needs to be a GM that handles all the business or somebody to handle all the business. But I do actually agree um, with the old Bar- the old Bill Parcells quote. How do you expect me? How do you expect a chef to cook dinner without being able to pick the ingredients? Like I think that's totally fair, yep. and I do not blame Bill O'Brien for that. I I am probably right behind you on this group of Texans Unfiltered. Um, I don't know writers, podcasts, um, people we have on the show on our uneasiness with Bill O'Brien. I'm fairly sure I'm right behind you. Um, the rest of the yep. crew is pretty pro, but I don't blame Bill. I may not always like his decisions, but this isn't a personal vendetta or anything against him. I think that he's doing what any of us would try to do, and Cal let him. But we'll see. All right, you ready to do questions and answers? You got any good ones? Yep, let's let's go through it. Um, I guess we'll go through the one that James got before. Um, he was basically asking, if everything goes bad, um, through the season, if if we go, if we get a losing season, whatever it is, say we go four and twelve again, and Bill O'Brien 
finally gets fired, who are the best kind of coaches to replace him? And at least for me, the top guy's got to be Eric Bieniemy. Um, I think that's that's going to be basically everyone's answer. He's shown that he's a really great offensive mind, and he has experience dealing with a a young mobile quarterback who can make all types of throws and having that passing offense be super successful. And there's no reason why he shouldn't be a head coach right now. Um, so he would definitely be my top choice. Some of the other guys, um, maybe I would I, – I really wanted the Ravens offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, or their defensive coordinator. I think his name is like Mark Wick, Mark Winkendale, something like that. I don't know. You don't like Roman? No. Roman's had his, had his chance. I, no. No, 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 no. He's notorious for getting two to three good years out of quarterbacks, so just watch that with Lamar Jackson, and then it all falls to crap. I just like his scheme, the way that he, he makes things easy for the quarterback, but leaning on the, on the running game, but then that helps open up stuff for uh, the quarterback. But do you have any other uh, other names for top head coaching candidates? I do not. Um, at this point, <laughs> I honestly... I mean, I I want to get I want somebody new. Um, I want somebody new. That's I don't know who that would be. I I'm tired if if this blows up and I said it at the end of the season I do not want to go back to the Patriots. Well, I yeah. like the idea of Lincoln Riley. Um, I do like the idea of bringing somebody in that that's not really doing anything that's currently done in the NFL. I think that we have the type of quarterback that you really could put some fun things. Could you imagine Deshaun in like a Shanahan offense, like that West Coast spread? Um, could you imagine him in in Riley's the uh, the air raid with uh, power running? I mean, there's there's a lot of cool things out there that could be fun to do, and I just want somebody that's creative to come in, and maybe not necessarily even an offensive coach, but somebody that would get a good offensive coordinator. To just be creative. Yep. Like, I honestly do believe in the Bill O'Brien and the Patriots offensive system. I do think that it can work. Um, I like the freedom that it has. I like how it's essentially figure out what the defense can stop and attack that. Attack that with a lot of different formations, with a lot of different personnel, but essentially doing the same play over and over and over again. And at its heart, like, they build it up to be complicated, but it's not that complicated. And it just relies a lot on the quarterback. I do think that it's a lot to put on a young quarterback to run that sort of system. I think there's a reason why even someone like Brian Hoyer has had success late in his career with that system. Because once they've been around the NFL more and they've had more game experience, I think they get better at that system. However, that's a thrower system. And Deshaun Watson is an excellent thrower. This is not to put him, him down, but he's also more than that. He is a better athlete than Patrick Mahomes. He is a better athlete than just about every other starting quarterback in the league except for Lamar Jackson. So why don't we have a system that takes advantage of both his ability to throw and his ability to escape? Whereas I think Bill O'Brien wants to make him more of a Tom Brady, which, you know, five years from now when he's taken his hits, I think that would be fair. But right now, let him be young and let him be fearless and let him be invincible and let's see how far we can ride with that because it's a combination that if he's schemed right, he can't be stopped. And this is not to put down 
our offense. I think that we have Kelly. Kelly seems like a very smart guy. Maybe he'll figure something out. But I think that there's a part of Deshaun that we've kind of locked up that we don't really do a lot of design runs. We don't do a lot of that exotic running scheme like that you see from the Niners, that you see from the Ravens, yep. that I think would do nothing but benefit him. And he's also the best play-action quarterback in the league, and we cut our play-actions down in half. That was the most crazy thing to me. I, I get it. Bill O'Brien doesn't like play-action, re- but I think that's stupid because it's one of the most efficient plays in football. Yeah, for me, like, I don't get – Bill O'Brien loves to run the ball. And you run the ball to set up the pass. And so what's the point of running the ball if you're not going to run play action? In 2018, they ran it a lot, and he was super good on it, like you said. So good, because it just makes it so much easier. Like, oh, my God, I don't know why they could not bring that back. Hopefully Tim Kelly does. They, the thing is that they leaned more on, like, the RPO game than the play action game, um, which I don't really like because the RPO game was pretty simple. It was basically that exact same play over and over again where Fells or Aikens runs from the H-back position across the formation, and then it's a little dump off. And it got real predictable, and, and defenses were all over it late in the season. So they've definitely got to expand on that. But, yeah, I'm up, I'm, I want to be optimistic about Kelly, but it's just so hard because we haven't seen anything from him apart from, like, one preseason game apparently, which actually I, I want to rewatch, actually. If anyone knows what game that was that he called – um, that he allegedly called, let me know, because I want to rewatch that, maybe make a breakdown of that, see what his offense actually looks like. Yeah, uh, Bill O'Brien, was, he was at his most creative, was, of course, Watson's rookie year, and we ran play actions as a shotgun that looked similar to RPOs. However, they would have gotten Watson killed. And I get that's why we stopped running them, because beautiful play designs, but if it didn't work, Watson would have you know, been killed. And that's not an exaggeration because essentially he had two rushers that were lined up free on him. If they didn't bite on the running, he, he, he was not going to be – he was a dead man walking. So I get it, but we were running play action at a 68%, I believe. I've, I'm a little hazy on the numbers, but a 68%, and we've dropped all the way down to 20s. I would say that's the number one difference. Um, it was that boomer bust offense, but we've just got away from the play action, and I think that's – one of the biggest things is, again, Watson, best ball handler in the league. I, I'll yeah. put that up there. There's nobody better at selling it. For, for sure. And really quickly before we move on, I just want to talk about the, my main issue with the play calling is honestly just the consistency. I think there were a good amount of like creative plays that we saw, but they came in batches. They came in the New England Patriots game, for example, where we look like an entirely different team. We were running full house pistol. We were running crazy play action stuff. We were running that weird DeAndre Hopkins to Deshaun Watson pass that came out of like wildcat formation. I don't know what it's properly called, but, um, and that's the thing. One game we would look like that. And the next game against the Broncos, I believe we look just dead. Just no, it was just a complete, it was two different teams. So the, the team, the Texans that beat the Patriots and the Texans that went up 24, nothing against the chiefs, that's got to be our consistent 16-game-a-season team. And I get that that's hard to do, but that's the main problem with play calling for me because we can't be going from a top-five team to a bottom-five team like that. It was just insane to me. All right, so we're going to get into the questions now. Um, I always ask for your guys' questions on Twitter, at Texans underscore thoughts, about 5, 6 p.m. Central Time, and then so you got enough time to get onto the show. So first question comes from Robert 
at Rob Fortson one. He says, do you trust play calling in Houston in the playoffs with the amount of injuries the Texans generally have? How could they improve this? Do I trust play calling in Houston in the playoffs? I think one thing kind of branching off that new England spot is that Bill O'Brien, he does like to save some plays for the playoffs and for big time games. He wants to save it for that Patriots game because he wants to say a big F you to Bill Belichick and beat him finally. And just like we saw in the Chiefs game, they pulled out that fake screen to Kenny Stills that they've been setting up for a while. So Bill O'Brien, he will save stuff for the playoffs. Do I trust him in the playoffs? I don't trust him right now in big moments on fourth downs where he's going to either fake a punt or he's going to not go for it on fourth one and kick a field goal. I don't trust that whatsoever. But hopefully that gets better. Um, How could they improve this? Actually, sorry, he, he asked, with the amount of injuries the Texans generally have, how could they improve this? That's what we've been talking about, depth. We can't, we're not just relying on DeAndre Hopkins anymore. We've got legit four deep with Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Kenny Sills, Randall Cobb. Four above, at like the, the worst you could say is that they're above average wide receivers. That's the worst thing you could say about them. Yes, they're injury prone, some of them, but... That's besides the point. What we've got on paper, we've got so much more depth now. So I'm not as worried about injuries. They've always played, plagued us before, but I'm feeling better about that. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that, John? We'll kind of go back to a little bit about Bill Bryan and his play calling. Um, he gets gun shy. So the Broncos, the full house pistol, the Broncos were able to diagnose it and stop it. And instead of tweaking it and coming back to it, to give it a kind of a different wrinkle. That was yep. a – the Broncos blew it up, so he, he threw it away. So you can tell when it's a new concept that's been introduced to him that he's not fully sold on. So full house mm-hmm. pistol, obviously new concept to him. He wasn't fully sold on it. He had a little bit of success when they first used it, but as soon as it got diagnosed, he didn't you know go back and coach it up instead of saying, hey, Deshaun, if they attack it this way, what are you going to do instead? Instead, he just said, let's just throw it out the window, which sucked because I thought it was, I think it's a very interesting concept that had shown some success. Um, the next thing up is it's just depth. Like, I don't get why we are getting trashed when we probably have the deepest wide receiver core in the league one through four. If you go one through four, potentially yep. even one through five for talent, and yet we're getting, we're getting trashed. Whereas, We've seen what Kiki can do if he stays out of the doghouse. And him and Randall Cobb, two options at the slot, so if one of them gets hurt, the other one's fine. And then Cooks, Fuller, and Stills. Cooks is kind of an overlapping player because he can play slot, he can play the gadget player. He's also a top four deep threat. Um, If you look at his his stats since he came in the league, top four in, in deep plays made. Granted, he's had some phenomenal quarterbacks, but Cooks, Cooks is no joke. Like, do not underestimate him. Stills, for the past three seasons, he's lacked volume and consistency. You look at what how he was played down in Miami. Definitely can forgive him for that. However, when he has gotten the opportunities, most efficient receiver in the league. Yep. He's His incredibly talented. Ridiculous. And then we've all seen what our offense does when Fuller's healthy. So if all three of them get hurt at the same time at the playoffs, then yeah. Then we're, that's just, it's not meant to be. Yeah. However, you cannot prepare yourself any better than than that. To have three receivers at that level. 
with Cobb and, and Kiki in the slot, and you can kick Kiki outside if you need to. Cobb has played outside, just not as well. But there is so much depth in that receiving core that it's absolutely ridiculous. The area of concern I do have is, you know, running back Duke Johnson and David Johnson. Um, we do need another running back. I don't know where it's going to come from, whether he's on the practice squad already, um, whether it'll be somebody that's picked up right at cuts. Who knows? But we, we're we going to need another running back. Yeah, okay, I'm with you on that. We'll keep on moving because we did get a lot, actually. Um, from Angel Lopez, he says, has there been any talks about Everson Griffin or Snacks joining Houston either or would be a great addition to the D-line? Um, I haven't heard anything about Everson Griffin or Snacks, nothing concrete. I think the Texans were rumored to be interested in them, but I haven't heard of any um, advances in that. But they would be great. I think we do need veteran help on the D-line because as much as I love Jacob the Goat Martin and John Grenard and Charles Omenihu and all their promise and potential, the vets who we need to depend on, J.J. Watt, we can't really depend on. Merck, I'm not even going to get started on him. But we need one more guy. We need one more edge defender who's a vet who's been doing this. And Everson Griffin's a perfect fit. And Snacks is a perfect fit to add more depth on the interior for run defense. So those would be ideal additions for sure. Yeah. Um, James is just just throwing out there that the Snacks rumors have died, talks happened, and they just went nowhere. So there you go. We both are in agreement. We think that they would both have something they could bring to the team. It's just not likely. Yep. All right. Next one from at Falcon Mutt. He asks, Realistic stat predictions for Watson, David Johnson, Brandon Cooks, and Cobb. I honestly could not tell you. I'm not. I'm not a big stats guy whatsoever. I couldn't tell you if Watson throwing for like 3,000 yards or 4,000 yards was great. Um, I think he's gonna. I'll do it like this. We'll do like an over under. You want to do that instead? Sure. Just because exact numbers. I'm just. I don't. I don't know. Um, Watson. I think he's gonna have an over season, which means better than what he put up last year. Um, just with all the weapons that he's added and with Bill O'Brien actually delegating a play calling duties, hopefully that makes it more consistent and just the natural improvement that he's going to make because he is a worker. He's always getting better. And so I think he's going to have a better season for sure. David Johnson, he's not going to put up 2016 numbers, but he's going to be better than 2018 and 2019. He's in the best situation of his entire career with a great O-line and also great weapons in the passing game to to um, get rid of, like, loaded box numbers. So he's going to be able to run into good box numbers, have a good O-line blocking for him, and he's going to eat that way because he's still a talented guy. Is he going to be returned to 2016 form? I, I don't think so because running backs rarely do that, but he's going to put up good numbers. In terms of Cooks, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to put up ridiculous numbers as well, probably 1,200 yards maybe. Um, he's going to have an upseason Cobb. I think Cobb will have a down season just because of how crazy of a season he had in Dallas and because there are just so many other targets for Watson, Cooks, Fuller, Stills. So I think Cobb will have a down season. But what about what are your thoughts on those four guys? I think that Watson has typically been right around 4,000. Um, so he's been at 38 and 4. Um, so this year he's going to go to 45. Um, just you look at the, the shape of the offense. Um I disagree with Nicholas. In the past, we've ran the ball too much, but different play caller and just look at the shape of the lineup. Yeah. We don't have the ability to to run the ball as much as we did. Um, I don't trust David Johnson or Duke Johnson to get enough carries. Granted, I could be wrong, and that might be why both of them are here. However, I would guess 
closer, I would say between 42 and 4,500 yards for Watson. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Um, as for TDs, let's see, he's done 26 and 26. So I think 26 is a pretty safe number to go with again. <laughs> no, he's going to break 30. For sure. Um, as for, I think we'll have two 1,000-yard receivers. I don't know who they'll be, but I will throw it out there. We'll have two. And then I don't think either David Johnson or Duke breaks. I don't think either one of them break 1,000 yards rushing. However, I would say mm-hmm. that one of them breaks 1,000 yards in all-purpose yards. Yeah. That's a good bet to make. All right, we'll get into some more here um, from at 210's D. King. He says, Hawkins or Cooks was the better year. Um, because Hopkins is the number one guy in Arizona and because he's going to get force-fed the ball, I think he'll statistically have a better year. But Cooks is going to be right there behind him. Cooks, I think people are really underrating Cooks. Cooks is a damn good wide receiver. Um, when he's healthy, he produces like a top 10 wide receiver easy. When he's had a great quarterback in Drew Brees, he's produced crazy numbers. And now he has basically the best quarterback of his career. Like he, Watson, Watson is right up there with prime Drew Brees. And so he's going to put up numbers. So even though Hopkins might beat him out in like touchdowns and maybe a couple, maybe 100 or 200 extra passing yards, Cooks is going to be right up there. He's going to be top like 15, top 10, top 12 to 15 production in terms of wide receiver. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Hop is gonna have Hop is gonna have a better year. I mean, yeah, yeah, duh. Hop is the better receiver. We're not arguing that. We've never argued that. Hop is gonna have a better year. However, Cooks is gonna have a very good year. I mean, both can be yeah, true. Exactly. Both can be true. Both guys can eat. Both guys can succeed. It's not like you have to pick one or the other. But Anyways, next question from Jay Boo. He says, who's the biggest sleeper on your team, and who do you think will have the more productive season out of the running backs and tight ends? Biggest sleeper on the team, everyone knows my answer. Jacob, the GOAT, Martin. Biggest sleeper, I don't, I don't even really have to go into much more about that. He's just the GOAT. Um, next part of the question, who do you think will have the more productive season out of the running backs and tight ends? David Johnson. I think James, he said it a lot on the podcast. Bill O'Brien, with how that trade went down, he wants to make sure the NFL knows that he won that trade. And so he's going to feed David Johnson, whether it's in the running game or the passing game. And he's going to put up, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to put up numbers. Will it be 2016 numbers? Like I said, no. But he's going to do really well, and he will be the most productive running back on the team. In terms of tight ends, as much as we, as much as much everyone here at Texans Unfiltered loves Jordan Aikens and wants him to be the guy they're still going to go with Fells as the number one guy because he's the vet. He's the guy who can supposedly block, who, spoiler alert, he's not actually a very good blocker. But Fells will be the will be the guy, especially in the red zone, because that's honestly the one and only kind of fear, I guess, I have about the offense is that losing Hop, losing that guy who wins on slant routes nine times out of ten in the end zone and it's just an easy little dump off for Watson, that's going to be, take the red zone efficiency down a notch, but because Fells and the big red zone threat that he is and how his size is such a big advantage, I think that is going to make him more productive. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, my sleeper... I don't even know who's a sleeper anymore because we talk about <laughs> him every single week. Um, the guy that I would get in fantasy it would be Cook's. Um, hmm. 
My sleeper is I really like John Reed. He's my one of my favorite picks out of the draft class. Um, he just had a little bit more size. He goes way earlier. He just for what he can do, and he's actually very athletically gifted. But as a technician with that shuttle speed, he's going to be our starting slot um, before the season's mm-hmm. over. And he can play outside too. The only reason he won't get enough is because he's little, um, and I say that as he's bigger than me. Um, so that's always funny to say. <laughs> then, yeah, David Johnson, he's going to be he's going to be the bell cow. Um, I think they're going to try and split it so they don't run either one of them into the ground. Um, Karan Higdon last year showed a lot. We still think, me and James personally think that Buddy Howell, uh, whenever he gets the ball, good things happen. So maybe he'll actually get hmm. some touches. But David Johnson's going to lead the team in touches. Uh, he's going to, between... Rushing and receiving, David Johnson is going to be the team leader in touches. And then the for the tight ends, um, well, that's tricky. Fells is on the field more because he blocks. He's always out there. Yep. He can catch the ball, and he can block, so he's always going to be out there. Akins, I was kind of hoping they would use him more as an H-back, but then Gillespie comes out there and in one game shows how much better of a blocker than he that he is. And so that idea has probably been blown up. I love Jordan Akins. I think that he's going to actually get more touchdowns because it'll be Fells and Akins in the end zone. Um, when you put both of them out there, plus David Johnson in the backfield, um, our end zone offense, will it's going to be fine. Like our red zone, sorry, red zone, not end zone. Uh, but our red zone offense will be absolutely fine. There's enough options out there, even though we have the mighty mites at receiver. Now... Which one's actually going to have the better year? It's probably. You know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to. I'm going to stick with our boy. I'm going to stick with Aikens. Um, his ability when he's out there to catch the ball, create yardage, and he still has the size, and he's going to be out there when we need to score touchdowns. He's still going to be in for the red zone. Fells has the advantage just on snaps, but Fells is. Um, like rookie or hop, where he just throws the ball and you just catches it and then he falls down. Yeah. So current your hope. So Aikens can actually run afterwards. All right. Well, that okay. We're gonna get try and go through them a bit quicker. Um, this one's just very similar. So I'm just gonna answer really quickly. Which Johnson should get the most touches? Which one will perform better? In my opinion, Duke Johnson should get more touches. I I'm a huge Duke Johnson fan. Um, he should technically get more touches, but David Johnson will. So and thus sub question for you. Can you name 10 running backs that you'd rather have than Duke Johnson? <laughs> I saw that on Twitter, and I think it's a great point because I'm not sure I can. You know what, I'll, for the purpose of the exercise, I will actually try. So Saquon Barkley, um, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. I want to say Zeke Elliott if he comes back in shape. Um, let me think about some more. Derek Henry. Honestly, it's it's hard, but I I probably couldn't. I probably I can couldn't get to six because that's Derrick Henry. No, okay, Derrick Henry. This is where it's gonna get tough. Yeah, four um, that you would legitimately cool. rather have. I'm trying to think about it. I wouldn't rather have Le'Veon Bell. I wouldn't. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's a very good one. Nick Chubb's super underrated. I love Nick Chubb. Um, wouldn't so say Le'Veon Bell. So we need three I probably three? I probably wouldn't say James Conner either. I don't trust his health. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't even think about starting running backs. Uh, the guy on the Chargers, why can't I think of his name right now? Uh, Marvin Austin Gordon Eckler. or Austin Eckler wouldn't take either of those. Duke Johnson is Austin Eckler, basically. He just doesn't Mixon? get the respect Mixon's for it. Mixon's good. 
So we need two. Mixon. Um, so two more. I'm trying to think. No one on the Chiefs I wouldn't take over. I wouldn't take any of the 49ers running backs. Aaron Jones. Hell no to Gurley either. I would not take Gurley. I'd probably take Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is a good quote. Really so if we're counting Aaron Jones, we, we need one more. Okay, one more, one more. <sighs> I can't think of another one. Duke Johnson's that good, skinny, man. Skinny your teeth, right? Alpha oh, Blue. Yeah, Alpha Blue. Blue. There's your Always, answer. forever, the zombie. <laughs> yeah, not even Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is actually pretty overrated, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, Duke Johnson is super good, always underutilized, always underappreciated throughout his entire career. I wish he was a running back one, man. I really do. I just <sighs> wish he got more t- more touches. Exactly, exactly. David jo- so Swan said David Johnson's going to have 1,300 all-purpose yards, around 1,000 running, and around 250 receiving. I'm with that. I'm with that for sure. My worry is that Bill O'Brien has never really looked to scheme running backs open. And you would think that he would if he's really trying to follow Bill Belichick and the Patriots and how they use Deion Lewis and James White. This is our Deion Lewis and James White, our duo. And they should be complete weapons out of the backfield, mismatch weapons, and they shouldn't eat. But we'll see We'll see how Tim would Kelly you take and Bill O'Brien do Kenyon Drake's a little bit of a one-year wonder for me. I don't know. i got to see more from him. He hasn't even put together a full year yet. He has had flashes with both the Dolphins and the Cardinals, but if you add them all up, it's still like 12 games. So he has had flashes. Duke Johnson's had better overall numbers, and he's Mm -hmm. more efficient. Um, Maybe Josh Jacobs, maybe. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Josh Jacobs. Um, Great for fantasy, but (laughs) I don't know. Fantasy pod coming Thursday, by the way. Yep. All right, we're getting to the next couple of questions. What's the so Daniel Blake Hill asks? Oh my God, he had like seven questions. He asked, "What's absolute shame that these Madden ratings are? Why not just scrap the whole project and reroute that funding back to an NCAA video game?" Honestly, Madden has become trash and is resting on the laurels of Madden Ultimate Team and the cash cow it has become. I can't disagree with anything. You we're said. not. We're not going to argue because we're. You're right, and I'm still going to buy it because I buy it every year. Yep. And that's the problem. I know I'm part of the problem. But I have no choice. Um, I would buy 2K in a heartbeat, but, again, no choice. I, I want to play with the Texans, and I want to play with them on a video screen. I've never done Ultimate Team, but, you know, whatever. Never done Ultimate Team. Wow, that's crazy. I'm going to buy it, too, for sure, but we'll move on. Um, Texas Chicken said, who do you – wait, what? I can't read this. You think Texans will trade for any big-name players? <laughs> We've heard the Jamal the Jamal Adams rumors. Um, I I don't know that the Jets are even going to end up trading him. I feel like they have to. I feel like they're doing a good job of making it seem like they won't. But I don't know if the Texans are going to be the team as much as I want to, and as much as I can come up with a million different trade packages. At the end of the day, what we've all said is that there's other teams out there with more capital to make a trade, and they're in a better financial position to make a trade. So I just I wouldn't expect that. But, you know, it's Bill O'Brien. It's Trader Bill. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to go out and get whoever he wants for whatever price he wants. So I wouldn't be surprised if we do get some big-name players. Okay, Daniel Blakehill also asks, people have made a big deal about this being the most continuity from one year to the next for the offensive line that Houston has seen in some time. Couldn't it just be that this is the firmest time in a while that Houston has five guys worth bringing back together? Yes, yes. That, that's kind of that, the point. Yeah. <laughs> we've you never had it. the <laughs> – yeah, you answered your own question there, man. I can't say it much better. We've never had five guys who deserved to be on this team two years in a row. 
never been done before. But now we finally do, and that continuity speaks wonders. And I wrote an article about it, so y'all should definitely check that out on the Texas Unfiltered website. All right, next question from the same dude, Daniel Blake Hill. Two more from him, and we'll move on. Is this the year Aiken steps up and takes his true role in the team, or does Fellas still have a grip on tight end one? We, we already answered that. For the sake of time here, we're going to move on. Um, he also asks, why do I have an increasing feeling that there will not be football this year? It just seems like the chips are stacked against this actually happening. To give a short answer, for the betterment of like humanity and health and people not getting this disease and spreading it everywhere, there shouldn't be a season, to be completely honest. For the health of the players, that they don't have guaranteed contracts, they should there shouldn't be a season. But the fan in me really wants a season, really wants to watch Texans football, and really wants to watch us prove the entire NFL wrong. Um, but I think what's going to end up happening is that the season will start. It'll be a little bit delayed. It'll start. They'll get five, six games into it, and the testing and the positive cases will just be too ridiculous that they're going to have to shut it down, and it's going to suck. Yeah, the NFL is going to start. Whether or not it finishes will be interesting. I, The NFL is a keystone. It's one of the things that they're going to they're gonna bulldoze ahead. It's There's too much money, too much of our everything relies on it. Like Entire television networks rely on NFL football. So they're going to bulldoze ahead. Um, there may not be any fans. There may be some crazy funky mask. And they're going to play until they start getting players that have, um, that have to be sat down and they don't have the roster space to make up for it. I think that this year potentially is going to change how the NFL – I think about halfway through the season we're going to actually see something that is going to blow all of our minds. They're going to like extend rosters and absorb the entire practice squad. Um, they're going to end up doing something crazy. And part of me is kind of rooting for that because it's long overdue, and the only reason they haven't is because then they would have to play the practice squad players more, and it's a, there's a lot of BS reasons. But – that's the type of changes that are going to have to push it, and we're actually going to see games, I believe, canceled because too many players have either been exposed or under quarantine. Just think about it. 14 days to be quarantined? That's pretty serious. But we need we need football. Yeah. I, it's not yeah. thing that is, in the grand scheme of things, so inconsequential. We definitely need it. The guy has to say it. <laughs> need it for our sanity for sure. I'm going to lose my mind. All right, um, I'll just do a couple more and we'll get out of here, but Kyle Caesar asks, does Kiki make the team? Can you list your picks at wide receiver, running back, and tight end? I don't know what he means by picks at wide receiver. Maybe who's going to make the team? I think but, so. Um, it's too early yeah, to tell. It's way too early. We don't have training camp yet. We can't tell. Like No one would have guessed that Jordan Thomas was going to be like the top of training camp last year. So like stuff like that, crazy things happen. But will Kiki make the team? <sighs> I don't think he will. I think he does. You think so? Oh, yeah. I think DeAndre Carter will, and then they're not going to take more than five. I guess they got to take six then, huh? I don't know. It all depends how he shows up in training camp. Um, we'll I, don't, we'll I, I don't think they're going to give up on Kiki. I, I think Bill O'Brien hates him. I don't think he likes his, his attitude, his mindset. <laughs> he wants him out. Yeah, there's, some, no trade there's definitely something there. Bill O'Brien is notoriously hard on wide receivers, but Kiki's talented. I think he'll 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 stick around. Um, whether or not he'll finish the season on the team is another story, but I think that he, you know, at least starts the team or gets traded. He's not going to get cut. Okay, okay. Interesting. All right, so Matt Weston, he asks, what's your over-under on Lonnie Johnson Jr. and Gary Conley's PFF grade next season? And 
PFF is is funny. I have a I have a great love and hate relationship with PFF because I I don't understand their metrics whatsoever. I don't think they they're basing so much off of stats and not off film, and I don't think that's the right way to look at football players and grade them. And I've seen just so many instances where they're grading players who had a great game just awfully. And Justin Reed is honestly one of the main players that they continue to disrespect and continue to give him shitty grades. So I'll, I'll never really fully agree with PFF, but I will use their stats when they say that Duke Johnson and and, and um, Jake and Martin are the best players in the league. That's that's when I'll retweet them for sure. No, I I respect the process because what they do is they actually watch the games and they give each player a game. However, here's the biggest issue with it: they base their process on thinking that they know the plays that are called. Mm. So that's their foundation. They think they understand what is trying to be accomplished on each play. And we've discussed this. We've discussed how, for years, if you look up uh, the critique on David Johnson as he succeeded in zone, failed in power. And then he comes on an interview, and I, this really, we should have made a bigger deal of this because I can probably pull up a half dozen articles in like five minutes that talks about this, and he just torpedoed all of them because he was like, nah, man, that was power. <laughs> or I'm sorry, nah, man, that was zone, not power. So we don't know what the plays that are actually called are. And until NFL coaches get over this kind of like fear of espionage, we won't. I've, I've seen something that kind of predicts in like 20 years they'll release their playbooks and all their play designs after the end of each game because there is a market for that and people will, will, will love to see it. Hmm. However... Right now, they're too paranoid. They don't want people to know their schemes. They don't. They put too much value on that. And I honestly believe that schemes are overvalued. The best schemes are the ones that allow their players to play. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's watching film is a very tough thing to do because you got to think about context. You got to think about what was Deshaun Watson supposed to do there? What were his reads? Is he supposed to stare down Hopkins or is he supposed to look at the other side of the field? Like you don't know, you can't get in their heads, you can't get into the play calling head. So it's a tough job. And I'm not hating on PFF and saying they're, they have no idea what the fuck they're doing because it's a tough job. But um, basically he was asking, what are your over-unders on Lonnie Johnson and Gary on Conley's PFF grades? Because PFF, disrespects Gary on Conley so badly. They gave him a 63 last year. A 63? I, I'm Johnson's speechless gonna that. going to be in the 60s. Conley's going to be in the 70s. That's that sounds that. good to me. PFF means next to nothing for me. But, yeah, I don't think – I think we've got to pump the brakes on Lonnie as much as I want to hype him up and hope that he gets better. He's not going to be, like, a lockdown guy this next year. I don't I don't think that's, that's like, in the realm of possibility. But he's going, to be, he's going to be better. He's going to be so much better from his rookie season. Yeah, definitely. And Conley, I think he's he's borderline elite. Um, I've talked about my love a lot about, about him. James put me on to him for sure. Um, so, yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Um, I believe those are all the questions that we've got from Twitter. Anything else before we get out of here? Um, all right. Well, that is that is the show. Uh, Patreon shout-outs, of course. Uh, Ignacio, Giovanni, Ryan, Erjo, Alex, Brian, and JB. Um, again, said at the beginning of the show, if y'all could, you know, if you listen, there's a there's an ability on Patreon to just go give $1. Please give a dollar. Please. Pretty please. Because um, me and James literally burn money doing this, and we spend a lot of money on it. So if we could one day just break even, that would be great. Um, Jordan spends a whole bunch of time. Like, he works more than, like, a full-time full time job. So, again, 
send some money our way, help them out, um, you know, because then we can do more stuff. We can do more fun stuff, and we can get better stuff, and you can have better audio quality and all sorts of fun, cool things. Uh, Freddy V88, all I know about clowning, because um, he's our, our, all the sources apparently have gone a little quiet right now, is he will take less money for a better situation. He doesn't want to go to a bad situation, and he hasn't sold his house in Houston. Um, my hopes are not high because I love Clowney. I don't think he's coming back because anything that I want that badly does not happen. <laughs> um, where to find us? Uh, Houston FB Pod. Um, that's the Twitter and the Instagram. I'm actually going to throw in mine out there, John A. Wade 3, because I guess we're other people are going to actually be on Houston FB Pod. It won't just be me anymore. If you do want to interact, I, I don't I don't say much usually. I just retweet a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, I am Young Ari Gold. Go bother James. Again, tell Parker happy birthday. That's why he's not here tonight. Um, don't forget to follow Texans Thought and Pat Storm on on Twitter, Instagram. All, they're all over the place. Uh, Jordan also Texans Thought on YouTube. Great, great videos there. He has more followers than than we do on our show channel. So if you follow him on YouTube, please follow him on – please follow us as well. That would make our lives easier. Um, special thanks to our writing team uh, and then also our support team, Cody and Preston, for all that they do. That's why we have a cool website. That's why our you know our show gets produced at the end of the, every week. And then if you are a Patreon member, I believe you have to pay $15 right now, but you can hear our bonus pod. We're going to talk about the Winter Soldier, Captain America, the Winter Soldier tonight, and it'll go up on Patreon. And let me tell you what, I'm actually going to push for us to kind of release a couple of these as free because they are really good. Uh, Jordan has never seen any of the Marvel movies, so watching his reactions and talking to his reactions after he sees some of the better ones, worth the price of admission. Pay it for one month to see his reactions, and then, you know, don't come back until he's watched Endgame. We would still appreciate that. Um, and that is everything I got. Jordan, you got anything you want to say? Um, nope. Uh, I guess I'll just plug the articles I, I put out for today. I wrote about Kenny Stills, why he's one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. And then tomorrow will be the next Watson Watch, where we finally get into the 2019 game. So first four games, I'll be recapping those through Watson's point of view. And that'll come out tomorrow for sure. So that's it. Thank you for having me on the pod. That was fun. Definitely. Remember, Watson is coming. And thank you all to all of our listeners. We definitely have the best Texans community out there. Y'all have a good week and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast. Please follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Houston FB Pod.